Right, first time films, uh, an official show is back for the first time in 2020. Um, I want to get into something, a wee minutia, uh, before we go on. We are changing the way we deliver our content to you. Um, basically, we're all busy people here at the podcast, you know, uh, we've yep. got a lot on in our actual lives, you know. So the way we are going to work it now is that you will get three episodes from us a month. The first episode of the month will feature a part two where we'll look at all the news, the movie news the, from the month that has just been. Um, but the other two episodes will just be us shooting the shit. We're going to keep it informal. We're going to keep it fun. We're going to try and do some more fun movies going forward in 2020 as well as some of the bigger ones and more serious ones. We're trying to get a good mix of them in there. So the first month of January, we're actually doing a, a childhood favourites uh, month where we're looking at some of the movies uh, from when we were we Pokemon. Um, is one of them that we will be doing in that month, which I'm very excited oh, about. Oh, it's going to be so good. I can't brother, my brother. I forgot <laughs> that was in it. I forgot that was in it. I don't watch anymore. No. <laughs> oh, mate, it's a great song. It's on my playlist. Pikachu is slapping Pikachu, and Pikachu is not. You know what? We'll just talk about I it. I can't wait to dissect that scene so much. It's cinematic beauty, is what it is. But we talk, look back at a decade has passed, 10 years has passed. You know, it's very steady stuff. Myself and Luke McLaughlin here. Uh, we're ready to go. Are you ready to go, Luke? Fucking just ready as I'll ever be. I'm trying to plug in my phone, but it's not working. But yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. I'm going to kick us off with what I think is not going to be the hardest for you to let me convince to put on this show, right? Oh, fuck. I truly believe that this movie, when it came out, captured the generation that it was from. It was a movie about someone going through depression. It was a movie about the recession. It was a movie about growing older and people growing apart. And I think that Bridesmaids deserves to be in one of the top 10 movies of the decade. I'm going to fucking honestly, Truff, I'm going to kick your head in. Really? Oh, why have you just picked Bridesmaids as the, one of the top 10 films of the decade? Because I think Bridesmaids is one of the most cleverly written movies I have seen ever because the movie is not just a it's not just a comedy because around this time was when they were going to start like oh we're going to just push all these these female-led franchises we're going to recast Ghostbusters and all that this movie is not that this movie was a natural story about someone who didn't know where they were going in life and had to reset and she was comparing herself to her best friend who was getting married and her life around it and I feel that's something that's entirely relatable to people who are in their 20s, particularly going through that age range. I think the movie is so funny. I think there's scenes like the shitting in the seat, the street scene, the shitting in the fucking <laughs> toilet scene uh, are just one of, that's one of the scenes that you can just point to that's actually just iconic. And I, I believe if you were to look at the comedy films that came out in the 2010s, Bridesmaids for me is by far the best pure comedy that came out in the 2010s, I think. Uh, right, okay. Um, I watched that film blind and watched it as. I get what you mean, though. At a time where the year prior to Bridesmaids coming out, I believe 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think Hangover came out. Yeah. So Hangover came out, and that was like deemed as one of the, the funniest films ever, like mm-hmm. hands down kind of thing. And then I remember Bridges coming out, and I can't remember if it was a tagline or someone reviewed it and called it this, but they said it was a female Hangover. Mm. So when I watched it, it was it was funny, but I didn't compare it to the Hangover, and I enjoyed it the way it was, and that was it. I think. I think I was more shocked, and this is going to sound controversial, but I was more shocked at how much I laughed at like a woman-led comedy film. Does that make sense? Well, because there hadn't been, been many. There hadn't yeah. been any. That's what I mean. Like, so seeing The Hangover, like, it was funny. It was like joking about being drunk and not remembering and getting yourself in a sticky situation. Yeah. Bridesmaids similar to that, but uh, I get what you mean. It is very, it's relatable in terms of like not knowing what the hell's happening and yeah, life's running away from you and stuff like that. And but, also, one of the last comedies I can think of that got nominated for major Oscars as well, because Melissa McCar- McCarthy got nominated for an Oscar for Bridesmaids, and the screenplay also got nominated for best screenplay as well. Absolute shocker! But all right, I'll give you. You've, you've um, convinced me. I just think that. I could still watch that movie today and enjoy it just as a film, which for me, rewatchability with a movie is just as important. But also, it elevates itself from just being another studio comedy because of how smart it is, I think. But what is the, what's the first one you want to throw at me? Have you got any controversial ones there? Uh, I've not got any... Well, leave the controversial one to last since you started off wheels. Oh. But... Uh, as everyone knows on this podcast, my favourite film is Baby Driver. But mm. prior to Baby Driver, um, there was a wee film by David Fincher called The Social Network. Oh, right at the start of the decade. Right I, at the start. I remember this film. I remember watching this film and I adored it, loved it, everything about it. I didn't, like, you know that way it was like before you were in a film, so you didn't really know why you liked mm-hmm. it as much. But like, see, when you more you watch it, the screenplay, the writing, everything about it, it's just the cinematography, as Jack would say. Um, <laughs> everything about that film, I think it's just great. And the best scene in that whole film is probably one of the best scenes I've ever seen a film is when Spider-Man gets absolutely raging at Lex Luthor and slams a keyboard down in front of him. And it, it's so... And it's, like, it's raw. It's so... And I hate, like, I don't want to sound, like, pure prancy, but, like... You, you know that way, like, Andrew Garfield mm. done an amazing job in that film, and it mm. showed, like, it went from a friend, like, being two good friends, which you can believe, like, the performances are great, but see when they get, they were, they were falling out, and the whole lawsuit, and he realised that he had been fucked over, you could feel how much, like, it meant to him, it wasn't the money, it was just, mm. like, everything about it, and I feel like that was a pivot moment of being, like, this is a good film to this is a great film, Um and before it came out, I remember people talking about, like, oh, they're making a film about Facebook, what's it going to be about? Farmville kind of thing. Like, that was a kind of... <laughs> it was like, oh, no bother. And nobody knew the story of Mark Zuckerberg of how he it came about. And it was like, when you look back at it, it's really smart, like, the algorithm and stuff, and, like, the whole window with the algorithm on it. Um, that's all true. And, like, how they would rate women. It's fucking horrendous, to be fair. Well, and then, he, and then he turns it round... And he makes something of it, and that's like pure entrepreneurial. Even, um, I think, it, I think it was just such a smart film to make. You know what I mean? Like it, everything about it just was clever, and the story was true, and it just made you think about a lot of stuff in life, and like how like a small idea just grows, and it turns out that Zuckerberg is now like the fourth richest man in the world. Even also, for me, 
I find it a difficult movie to watch, and I think it's a brilliant movie, but it's also about, it's a commentary on this age we live in where ambition and success are put higher on like society's pedestals than interpersonal relationships at times, and how basically uh, Mark Zuckerberg is the sort of personification of that in this movie, and I think J.C. Eisenberg plays him so well because he almost doesn't play him completely human, you know what I mean? There's something yeah, very yeah. alien about his performance in it that's well, he, very he, unsettling. He doesn't understand things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I think I think it does deserve to be in the decade, even though it was the start of the decade. I think it knocked out of the park instantly. Like, it was just such a, such a good film. And I can stick it on whenever. It's one of those films you can just stick on. I think that's what marks a film as, like, timeless, is when, mm. see if I told you oh, I'm going to put on... I don't know, Fantastic Beasts somewhere to find them, and you'd be like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. oh, Christ. Like, not, oh, Christ, you're like, oh, fuck, I just put it on. Like, yeah. you need you pay attention. I feel like Social Network, you could put it on, and you'll be like, nah, any time when you'll be like, love this, love this scene, love that scene, or oh, this scene's coming up. Like, that's a film of the decade. That's a film that you go, I love to watch everything in this. Well, I that's a very good transition, because now I've got a movie that I included in this list that's possibly the antithesis of what you just said because this movie I couldn't watch all the time because I found this movie very effective but it is perhaps one of the most powerful experiences I've had in a, a cinema and that's Spotlight um, I remember when Spotlight came out, me and Nikki went to see it and um, it was obviously it was Linwood, it was at the showcase I seen Spotlight mm-hmm. and I remember the movie finished and the credits started to roll and before the credits rolls, the movie shows you these events not only did happen in Boston, but happened in all these other cities around the world. Yep. And it shows you the list. And yep. I remember just sitting there for five minutes. Me and Nikki sat there for five minutes, not saying a word. And I wasn't able to stand. I wasn't able to leave yet. I've never been that affected by a movie. And I think they handled such delicate subject matter in a way that didn't diminish it but still made the movie palatable for you to watch and enjoy because and that for me does it falls upon the filmmakers but i give actors a lot of credit and especially in this film i think mark ruffalo has an absolute heavyweight performance in this movie and i think michael keaton and rachel mcadams are the perfect people to anchor it because they don't overplay it mark mark ruffalo is the guy who's there to get emotional and to have those big moments and those two know that so they reel it in and it's a perfectly composed film for me that says a very, very worthwhile message, I think. You get what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. Like I seen Spotlight for the first time, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to watch it, in all honesty. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things, like, you, like obviously, you know about it. It's, it's the whole, whole reason the film exists. So many people know about it, but choose to ignore it. And mm-hmm. I was like that with the film. I was like, oh, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch this. But the curiosity and the fact that like you rave about it a lot of time, Nicky loved it. Um, and it tackles subjects that nobody wants to tackle. Mm-hmm. I think the film, oh, the film was so good, but it it did what people people were raging when it came out in terms of because they went, they didn't hold back. No. Um, with it at all and it was it just showed how corrupt and horrific people can be and you know the thing is look the film manages to do that without being sleazy the film doesn't oh. show you a moment of a priest 
doing something inappropriate to make you no. feel that emotion. The movie just presents you with the facts. The movie just presents you with these people finding out the facts and coming to that confrontation. That's what's powerful about it. Not once does it show you these actions happening, but the unraveling of them is just as powerful. It's like watching a car crash in slow motion. Like, mm-hmm. it's horrific, but you can't look away, and it's just going on and on and on. But, like, you've got to remember, I think the whole point of the film is, as well, as you say, it's not sleazy, but it does definitely remind you that these were the victims. These are, This is how this has affected them. Like, some of them took their own lives. Some of them went into mental institutions, and it lasts for them forever. And mm. it boils down to a man taking advantage of young children. And even though, no matter what title he has, it's that. And it's, like, the whole point of responsibility and respect and all that. And I think that's why it is such a good film because they as you say yes. they just they stay on that and mm. they don't make it out to be anything other than that mm. they're not scared to go straight for it so i 100 agree i was going to put that on the list but i had a funny feeling you would so i left out <laughs> i and i also need to bring up stanley tucci as well i think is remarkable in that movie um yeah. Caesar Flickerman himself. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could put Caesar Flickerman. If we're doing performances of the decade, Caesar Flickerman would be on every list I did. Uh, he's like Graham Norton on crack, but uh, <laughs> what's your next one? <laughs> uh, my next one is Baby Driver. Nice. Yes, so, get to talked it. about this before, where you can go back and listen to the review. I love this film. These films, every single one of my films here, is exactly what I said before. It's a film you could put on no matter what and just go. Yeah, I'm going to watch this. If it's on the telly, you'll stick it on, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Baby Driver, again, makes you want to just be so good at driving. Like, it's, it's so good. The only thing that ruins it now is Kevin Spacey had been in it. But even at that, he says some of the most, like, iconic lines in it. It's like, mm. um, Mozart with a go-kart. And the way he says it, <laughs> it's so class. Like, and then, like, the whole beginning of the start, like, he's executioner lines. That's why Kevin Spacey... I, is still a good actor, just mm. a fucking pervert, but yeah. still a good actor, but he's like, it, the whole point is like, was he slow? Like, the the suddenness and the, like, it's just, it's such a good thing, and Edgar Wright is the greatest director, I think. Like, he's, every <clears> film he's made, I don't think there's a film he's made where I've not, like, been disappointed. Every film he's made, I've been absolutely, I loved it from start to finish. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End, Scott Pilgrim, Baby Driver, is All he the them. Quentin Tarantino of the modern era? Do you think? Do you think he's the inheritor to that clown? When it's like a Tarantino movie comes out, you need to see a Tarantino movie. Do you think it's like an Edgar Wright movie comes out now, you need to see an Edgar Wright movie? I don't think it's got to that point yet, but I do get where you're coming from. I think Edgar Wright's name's not like when you hear Tarantino, he's got such a unique name. People are like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like I know exactly what I'm in for. Like a lot of blood, a lot of swearing, a lot of mm-hmm. n words. But with Edgar Wright, he's not got a thing. But he, he has got many things, but it's not recognised like um, publicly yet. I would like to say, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, not as in the mainstream. I. But I think um, I definitely think if he continues his work, it will continue that. The one thing I'm not happy with is the fact that this film's getting a sequel. I've not an absolute clue what they're going to do with it. But see if it's anything like yeah the first one, then sure. But I think you're going to take could it. be a Paddington too, mate. Could be a Paddington 2. Could be a Paddington 2 indeed, which is apparently the greatest film of our century. 
<laughs> we were doing the research for this show, and Paddington Two just popped up in every top like fifty every list of list, decades. Every single list, and I'm, we're not talking here like number seventy eight. Paddington, it was like number four. Paddington, it's like Hollywood Reporter. It's like it's not even like oh, it's the Daily Star's top ten. It's like the actual film experts in this world are ranking Paddington Two as one of the greatest films that ever came and I love that one of the reviews said Hugh Grant should have been nominated for an Oscar and I was like well what (laughs) I'm going to bring up this movie next because we did a show on Baby Driver and we also did a show on this and I think this is the biggest commercial bomb of this list but for me it doesn't matter when the movie is this fucking good and that is Blade Runner 2049 I think the way Blade Runner 2049 looks, it should be considered less a movie and you should put this in a museum somewhere and or an art gallery and just have it screen all day. Because every single frame of this movie is fucking beautiful. I remember seeing this in the cinema in the IMAX at the Odeon. I finished my shift at 10 o'clock and I went up, 20 past 10 showing in the IMAX, so walked home from Brayhead to Erskine at 2 in the morning. And I just saw the world in a different way. It was like being on drugs or something like that after I walked out of this movie. It was that fucking good. And I will say in the same way you love Edgar Wright, I think Denis Villeneuve is my favourite filmmaker right now. I can't wait to see what Dune's like after seeing Blade Runner 2049. I honestly like, cannot wait for it. Um, it's less about the performances. Ryan Gosling's good. Harrison Ford is good. Uh, less said about Jared Leto the better but it's just the way that this is shot so well has such a unique look the colour of it is perfect it's a sequel to the first one but with a modern interpretation and a modern update that still feels faithful and to finally see Roger Deakins who I think it was 13 Oscar nominations he had before he finally won this one for Best Cinematography. Look at Roger Deakins I'm going to bring up Roger Deakins IMDb to you right now look and he did the Shawshank Redemption, all right? He did Skyfall, all right? He did Sicario, right? He's done so, so many great films, absolutely incredible films. And for this to be the one he wins the Oscar for, No Country for Old Men as well, I was very, very happy He's also it. the cinematographer for 1917, which apparently, even for the trailer, it looks absolutely wildly good. So, I mean, he's a yeah. big guy, you know what I mean? I'm the fa- I'm just no a war movie fan. You know what I mean? I just I don't know what it is about them. I just I like start if the war is in the stars, that's fine. Uh, but <laughs> I just I'm just no a big fan of World War Two movies at this point. You know what I mean? I don't know what it is. But I Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Uh, look, mm-hmm. what's your next one? Right, I've cheated a bit. How? This <laughs> the. Infinity Saga as a whole. That's fine. Uh, I was going to include it, so I'll give you. Yeah, that's right. fine. So, so, I feel like people will like, oh, of course, they're going to put, them in, put it in. But you've got to, see for 2010 from to 2020, Marvel, that was their decade. Like, mm. they dominated it. Considering 2010, you had the release of Iron Man 2, I think? Yes. So, by that point, you had Iron Man, Incredible Hulk... And now you had Iron Man 2, so it was still, like, nobody really bothered about it. They just know that Iron Man was coming out. Mm-hmm. But Iron Man 2 introduced Natasha Romanoff as Black Widow. God rest her soul. 
Go address. Rip, rip, rip. Um, <laughs> but her, she's now, like, she was introduced as Black Widow. Who else yeah. introduced that film in Iron Man 2? Coulson. Coulson. Oh, no, he was in Iron Man 1. No, oh, sorry. Nick Fury's in this film, like, yep. prominently, not just at the end. He's Aye. actually in the middle of it. He yep. talks about how there's stuff going on in New Mexico, hints and that. 2011 yep. comes out, Thor. 2013. Uh... Captain America. Is it? Well, I think Captain America was 2012 and so was Avengers. Yeah, so... So, got... like, what you're saying, it just moved completely throughout like, the decades. I, I, like, not just that, like, you see from, like, 2010 to 2015... Like, that was a lot... No, in fact, ten, put it 2010 to 2012, it was wild. Because I remember looking up, like, before, like, Easter egg videos were a thing, and mm. before that, like, people speculating. Like, even, like, it was, like, 50-second clips of, like, Captain America's shield spotted in Iron Man 2. And it's, like, yeah. uh, Tony Stark using it as a prop to hold it up and stuff. And there was hints at it here and there, and it was exciting for, like, not just the film itself. It wasn't, like, I'm going to see Iron Man 2. It was, like, mm. I'm going to see Iron Man 2 because there's something in that that there's got to be a hint towards the next film, which it, yeah. it's not, I'm not going to say it's not been heard of because it clearly has been when they've hinted at future films, but this was a whole new level of it. Um, and I think it, from there it built on it, and I think it fell down a bit when Age Ultron came down, came out. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, stuff like... There was... a. I mean, I remember the excitement I used to get. Like, me and Jennifer used to talk about, like, uh, like when Spider-Man was going to get bought over. But just before he yeah. got bought by Disney, right? And there was, like, hints of, like, is it going to be in Civil War? Like, Civil War was announced and people went mental and been like, we well, can't have Civil War without Spider-Man. And Spider-Man had, hadn't even been mentioned in the Marvel Universe yet. Yeah. And there was all these talks going on. And well, what film was it? Fuck. I can't remember what film it was. I think it, it, it was Age of Ultron. And I think I seen a fake ending. That I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't. Do you know what I'm going to talk about? Do you know? What I'm no. About? Right. There was a fake. I'll try to find it for you on YouTube after we've done this. But there was a fake ending at Age of Ultron where it was like the music and the credits roll and it goes down and then black. And then there's a guy wash. Um, there's a window cleaner on a skyscraper in New York. And then you just see the reflection of Spider-Man. And he goes, "You missed a spot." And then it cuts to black. <laughs> I think I've seen that actually. Now you've said that, I've seen it. And I, I, I freaked out because uh, after he, uh, before I seen Age of Ultron, I seen that this was on Reddit, and I was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna watch." It. I was too excited, watched yeah. it, and I was convinced it was happening. I was like, "Proper," because at this point, Spider-Man had get fucked over, like Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man Two, and I was like, "Oh, I just hope he gets back to where he belongs." Really, and then the trailer for Civil War came out, and everyone went mental. So oh, what I'm trying to say is, like. From 2010 to 2016, like Marvel dominated the board and they yeah. built on it, and then they're still building on it now, and this is where they are, and they just knew what they're doing. Feige is an absolute genius, and mm. I can't, you can't just put like Civil War or Winter Soldier in the mix. You need to put them all in because they all look actually what actually happened, and I just think from the short time, so from 2008 to 2019, they absolutely, they've made them, they've not just made the money, they've quadrupled it. It's been Marvel's decade, I think, is the, the easiest way to put it, is that Marvel has been this generation's um, franchise. It's been what oh, has no unified doubt. people around the world, regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of race. There's been something for everyone in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think that's what's most important about it, is that... It's something that everyone could come together and watch, and that's why it made so much fucking money. You know, it's like everyone was just there for it. And Avengers Endgame, um, 
for me was the perfect cherry on top of the cake um, and that they could not have ended this particular saga of this particular decade oh, in a better way than they did. I think what, the one thing it just caps all off for me is, uh, pun in their cap, um, <laughs> what caps all off for me is the fact that Marvel knew what they were doing from the very beginning. Mm. It, not just like it's Star Wars can't say the same, but um, <laughs> from <laughs> 2008 they knew what they were doing because Nick Fury, Nick Fury, not Nick Fury at all. Like it was released that when filming the the post credit scene to Iron Man One, which at that point was still with um, Paramount. Yes, yeah, Paramount they, were still producing. They that filmed hand. an extra scene at the end of Iron Man One where Nick Fury says. I have to deal with radioactive spiders and mutants, but now I need to deal with you too. Mm. And I was like, the fact that they were like, just put it, just film it and see what happens. We, we might get them in. Is the fact that that's what you wanted from them. They're like, mm. they were prepared. Ambitious. For, ambitious, and exactly what it was. And they got one, and I mean, to be fair, they have got the mutants as well, but we won't be seeing them for a while. But I'm just mm. saying that I think you can't, I think every single film deserves a spot on the list. It's the bigger picture, isn't it? Um, we talked in the Star Wars uh, spoiler review, which you can check out on uh, our site as well, how Kathleen Kennedy is a good individual film producer, but she's not a big picture person. They got the perfect big picture person in Kevin Feige to run Marvel for this decade, and that's why that's why it's on your list, and it's on everyone's list, I would, I would say. Oh, definitely. Um, I'm going to keep with Disney. Now, for me, I had to include some sort of pure Disney movie on this, because I feel... For better or for worse, Disney has been the dominant studio when it comes to animation uh, for the past, <laughs> how long do you want to go back for? You know what I mean? And I think both the Walt Disney Animated Studio and Pixar Studios have released some really, really good movies in this decade. The one that I picked out, for me, transcended the rest of them because it felt the most unique. It was the most fun for me to watch and I just feel it was the best story overall. And that was Moana in 2016 when it came out I think oh my god that was not expected I think Moana is a very very well told story wherein we get to focus and know this young protagonist who just wants to break away from the life they are they know which isn't unique for Disney in itself but they give her a personality they make her the pure focus of the story she doesn't need to have a love interest she has help from this cool as fuck demigod who's played by The Rock. And we get here The Rock sing a song in this movie, which is for nothing else worth the price of admission alone, is to hear The Rock sing. <laughs> and more than that as well, this decade, if you look at musicals, if you go to theatre, this decade was defined by Hamilton. And that was the biggest thing that came out. And it's Lin-Manuel Miranda who composed the songs for this movie, who wrote the songs for this movie. And of course, he is famous from Hamilton. So I feel it was the best way to capture what this decade has meant when it comes to the evolution of animation, and particularly with Disney. A focus in different types of stories that are breaking the mold from what they told before. And also, for me, the best thing was that the villain wasn't really a villain. After all, there was a grey area there. It wasn't just final battle in the sky you know what i mean oh we need to strike the villain down no there was something more to that the problem wasn't solved by violence in the end it was actually solved by kindness and understanding uh, more than anything else so that is why moana is on my list have you seen it no the rock sings <laughs> oh no i know i know the song um 
And, <laughs> the rock uh, sings a fucking song, mate. <laughs> like what you playing at? <laughs> I tell you what, but I could te- I could sing you "You're Welcome" right now, and I've not seen one bit of Moana. <laughs> exactly, and that is why I think it transcends it as well. Because how far I'll go, and uh, "You're Welcome" uh, were like two crossover hits. You know what I mean? Even people who hadn't seen the movie had heard how far I'll go, and "You're Welcome." So. That's why it's on my list. I don't have much more to say about it. I just think it's a really good movie um, and you should go and check it out regardless of whether it's animated or not. What is your second to last film? Like? Right. Um, since we've just recently finished our Star Wars um, review, mm. uh, I can't help but think about the time when Force Awakens came out and I had a video. Thank of- fuck you said Force Awakens. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Rogue One just to wind me up. <laughs> oh, I thought about it there. I thought about it. <laughs> Force I Awakens. Imagine, imagine I did. That'd be horrible. <laughs> uh, no, Force Awakens. I think Force Awakens, again, as I'm talking about, like, the hype around it and what happened in it. I think people go on about how it's just a rehash new hope, but you know what? I love it. I think it's... I think it's such a great film, and it, it's exactly what it is. It's like, it is a new hope revamped for the new generation, but the whole surrounding it before it, like, the excitement I had watching the teaser trailers, the excitement I had when the trailer came out, the excitement mm. I had to see the Falcon again, like, it, it, and again, like, I have pals that go, like, why do you get excited? It's no real. <laughs> like, that kind mm. of thing, and it's totally true, but it just shows you the power of film can make on you, like, of nice. this unbelievable... Un- like imaginary thing has made me emotionally tied to the whole universe. I was gonna put um, the sequel trilogy in here for the sake of like of it all, like the excitement of it. But I think Force Awakens peaked at it. Peaked well, Force it. Awakens had the biggest cultural moment. Mm-hmm. Force Awakens felt like the world was standing still to wait for this Star Wars film to come out. If that makes sense, like everyone just wanted to know what The Force Awakens was about. What was happening? What does this new Star Wars look like? And I'd say that was the most exciting time to be a Star Wars fan in our lifetime, to be honest with you. Mm. So I, I, can, I couldn't agree more with that, uh, to be honest. Um, my last one, a very personal one um, mm-hmm. for myself, it is Love, Simon. Um, oh yes I couldn't have not put it on the list um, I was looking at it and I've, I've said this before see if you're looking at Love, Simon objectively it is kind of a by the numbers rom-com right but when you haven't seen this type of story on screen before and told in this particular way it is very powerful for the people who are finally getting to see themselves represented in a major studio film because this was not produced by an independent studio it wasn't just something that got a limited release in theaters this was produced by 20th century fox who took a risk in this show and they released it to in a very very wide release and it was very well advertised and it was presented as something that was normal and could be viewed and very palatable in the mainstream and that was what i very very much appreciated about it more than that it goes back to what you're talking about rewatchability I think this is a movie that can be enjoyed completely by everyone just because it's so much fun. Nick Robinson in this movie is brilliant as Simon. He's just so charismatic, so funny. Um, You've got everyone in here. Catherine Langford, who, 13 Reasons Why, one of the most controversial shows of the decade, perhaps if we're talking about TV. Uh, She's in here as his friend Leah. Um, She is fantastic. 
Um, it really is one of the... And the thing that makes it stand out for me and makes it most exciting to watch is the mystery aspect of this movie because basically Simon's talking to someone online who doesn't actually know their um, true identity uh, and he's trying to figure out who Baloo is, who is this uh, secret closeted gay guy who's also a closeted gay who he's been talking to and that's what guides you through the movie is getting to unravel that mystery a wee bit and that's what makes it an exciting watch and makes it stand out and also um, there's a series that's set in the same universe as it coming out in Disney Plus so I'm very really? excited for that I, I'm very excited for that um, it should be very good and yeah I could not have missed Love, Simon from my list at all was not something I was going to do for this end of the decade list to be honest with you but I will leave it there. <laughs> well, my last film could be seen as controversial, but again, this list is nothing but rewatchability and the fact mm. that in 20, 30, 40 years' time, you'll look back and go, love that scene, love that scene. And that film is Rogue One. And that film is um, <laughs> <laughs> The Wolf of Wall Street. Mate, so happy you've included the Wolf of Wall Street there. Mate, the so Wolf happy. Street is such a good fit. Like you put it on, it's just so high. Pardon the pun. It's just so high. Like in terms of, like Jordan Belfort is such a mental guy, and he talks about mm. how the film only scratches the surface of what he got up to. And that film's getting dwarfs getting thrown at a Belfort <laughs> dartboard. Yeah, the stuff in that film gets away with is unbelievable, but. I think it's a smart film, and I think Scorsese done a fucking great job with it. I Scorsese's think, best film of the decade, by far. I think, yep, easily. Um, and I think Leonardo DiCaprio, just, oh, he's sensational in it. Mm. Like, I think he pulls it off amazingly. That came out in 2013. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was it, I remember seeing it at the time, and it's people saying, oh, it's really good, but it's so long. I've still, to this day, to watch that film start to finish and think it's, it felt long. It's, a three, it's near enough a three-hour film, but oh my god, is it good. Just a like, lot of fun. Compare that to The Irishman, which is three hours long, and you're sitting there watching the timer. But wait, Wolf Wall Street, you've got a scene after scene after scene you can name. Like, Margot Robbie, the first time you see Margot Robbie, absolute sensational woman. But yeah. performance-wise, oh my god. That's what got her the gig as Harley Quinn. Make but, no mistake about it. <laughs> but it's Jonah Hill as well. Unbelievable. Mm. I think that's the first time I've seen him in a serious role. Yeah. And, and he kills it. Kills it. I think the whole film is just golden. Uh, and honestly, even talking about it makes me really, really want to watch it again. Not going to uh, argue with that at all. Uh, argue with it. I think you could put it on with friends, you could put it on your own. And it's just such... And the thing is, it's not... You can quote it, but it just... Also, if you want to d- dig deep into it, it's about a guy who just wanted to make money and he found a way to do it and he just kept doing it because it was legal at the time. And it turns into this absolute mental cat and mouse chase. Uh, it's like later the DiCaprio and Catch You If You Can. Yeah. You just get away with... Murder. Stealing, <laughs> no, well, not murder. I'm down. Right. <laughs> um, you just get away with stealing money. Enough, enough of that, David. Um... But I think I think it's just great. I think it's just such a good film. I seen it on one of the, on one list that was like eighth or something in the top. And you're like, should have been so much higher. I think the rewatchability of it and the fact is there's so much to take in from it. I think it just deserves the place. Well, listen, we're going to end this off by I've got the 200 best movies as ran by Rotten Tomatoes here. They're in alphabetical order. I'm going to go through some of them here, and I just want you to give me numerical one order. Do you mean your numerical, not alphabetical? No, it's alphabetical. 
so, Wait, uh, what? The, the place that in alphabetical order for some reason. So it's not best to worst, it's just like the top 200 in alphabetical order. Alright, enough, okay. Um, so I'm going to give you the movie and I need you to give me one sentence just justifying yes or no if you think it's one of the best of the decade, okay? But you want me to say yes or no? Do you want me to tell you why yes or no? <laughs> yeah, a sentence and then yes or no. Okay. Go for that. Yeah. First one, Blackfish. Never seen it, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a fair start. Crazy Rich Asians. Still not seen it, no. <laughs> Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, um, monkeys, yes. <laughs> Dunkirk. Uh, genetic. I feel like I feel like the film on itself is good. Like in the scale of it, I. But people hyped it up, so no, I'm saying no. Get out. Yes, absolutely. Fucking Jordan Peele, genius. Love it. Keep going. Yes. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. So, whoa, whoa, oh, I jumped to earlier. Part two is class. I think part two took more risks and no, not took more risks. It went for the book, but it was. I think part two is much more enjoyable than fucking part one. Part one's horrendous. Yes, <laughs> fair enough. It falls. A uh, great, a fucking great horror film. I think probably one one of my favourites, if not the favourite. I think I definitely deserves. So I don't know why I've not put it on the list, but yes, great film. La La Land. Musical I watched, uh, wasn't too sure of it, uh, simply because people are raving about it, and I was like, mm, I'm not sure if I'm going to like this. And it was great. Ryan Gosling's amazing. Emerson's amazing. Yes. What I'm kicking arse about, Logan. Oh, fuck. Uh, seen Logan at Midnight Show, never seen it again. Thought it was great. Uh, I think it was a great send-off. I think Hugh Jackman just makes Wolverine. I don't know who's going to take it up next, but I think yes. Yes. Mm. Um, the Nice Guys. <sighs> right. Wait, no, hold on. I'm thinking that's Ryan Gosling and... Yeah, uh, and uh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. <laughs> I was thinking the other guys. Uh, nice guys. Uh, I have seen it, but it's forgettable, so no. It's forgettable, so no. I'd, I'd probably argue the same thing. Uh, one a movie I watched just last night for the first time, Shazam. Uh, never seen it, so no. Mate, give it a watch. Pretty decent. Wouldn't say it's best of the decade, but decent. Skyfall. I would say... Uh, right, I'm very much in the. Uh, as much as I like everything James Bond kind of does, but he didn't. It's the same formula every single time. And see, people tell me that Marvel's the same formula as Star Wars, but fuck it. Um, I d- would say Skyfall is probably the best at the new. Mm. What? That's for sure. So, aye, sure. Why not? And into the Spider Verse. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god, yes. Probably a million times, yes. <laughs> I, I don't know why it's not on the list. See, when you're talking about animation, I think you're yeah. right when you said about earlier on about Disney, but Sony definitely not out the park with this one. A Star is Born. That's a yes for me. Uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I've seen it. No. Well, that is one that is going on the list of shows to watch this year. You would love Three Billboards, mate. Ooh. You would love it. Um, did you? You were there for In Bruges, yeah? Yes. Same director as In Bruges. So much better than In Bruges, in my opinion. It's wow. just so good. And Us. Uh, Jordan Peele's second best film ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's he's pretty... I, I enjoyed it at the time. Yep, loved it. Right. But... Um, Yep, but I don't know. Yep, yes, I'll just say yes. Two left, both of which should have been in my top five, and I'm really annoyed I didn't see them till now. First one, Whiplash. Oh, a very good film. I think that's another film you can talk about, you can rewatch it, but it's very intense. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think J.K. Simmons just fucking killed it in that. This one I know you've not seen, 
It is called Your Name, released in 2017. Um, it's directed by Mikoko Shinkai, and it is by far one of my favourite films of all time. Ooh. So definitely go and watch it. It's an anime body swap film um, made in 2017, but it's so much more than that description would yeah. give it credit for. It's an absolutely beautiful film, and definitely go and give it a watch. It's so good. So, so good. But that's the end of our end of decade show. Well, we're into the 2020s, man. Woo, here we go. <laughs> Another decade of Marvel getting my money. Ooh. Yeah, this bitch going to get my money. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. Um, do so- think, well, the next year, we've got so much going on. The next decade, we've got so much going on. But Definitely. I think um, it'll be good to look back on this in 10 years' time. And mm. when we're still doing first-time films, um, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm just, I'm just so happy to keep going, just move forward. Yeah, and uh, like guys, we said you get three episodes a month from us. You'll also be getting uh, reviews when we get the chance to go to the cinema and see new films, and we'll be reviewing them for you uh, when we get the opportunity. Hopefully, a bit more this year now that we've freed up the schedule with the bulk recording. Um, format um and also yeah we just can't wait to see what's coming uh in 2020 so from myself goodbye and from luke goodbye